I asked a <clears throat> good friend of mine, fellow Dharma teacher, um, just texted her. I said, uh, okay, give me, give me a little pep talk. I'm going to give a Dharma talk. And she said, she said, um, trying to be inspirational is not the way. <laughs> and I told her to go fuck herself. <laughs> This is getting off on the wrong foot. (laughs) From the uh, Tarigata, the uh, Enlightenment poems of uh, early Buddhist nuns, Mitta, um, friend. Full of trust, you left home and soon learned to walk the path, making yourself a friend to everyone and making everyone a friend. When the whole world is your friend, fear will have no place to call home. And when you make the mind your friend, you'll know what trust really means. Listen, I have followed this path of friendship to its end and it will lead you home so we've been um, we've been weaving through uh, doing and uh, non-doing and um, effort doing as um, as Inez uh, demonstrated is really quite a central theme in the suttas and effort maybe we say effort is a major theme because neurosis is often the path of least resistance like my bad habits require zero effort or help. It's just a straight glide path down. Yeah. And so uh, we recognize that deep growth is not always comfortable. It takes, takes energy, it takes courage to be here. Takes courage to stay here, and um, I don't underestimate kind of for some of you just how much courage that it actually takes. And um, and so this this kind of deep growth of Dharma practice is. Um, it's often slow and unpredictable and sometimes really undetectable except over long stretches of time. But it's this kind of um, sustained effort and um, willingness. And so um, it takes effort to to work just against some of our conditioning, the innocence of our conditioning, the innocence of our clinging, but nevertheless the the ways it gets us into trouble. And um, we like answers, we like control, we like cake. And we can't always have those things. Right, and uh, it takes energy just to take our own best advice, you know, like when we kind of know what to do, but it's hard to listen to ourselves sometimes. It's hard to actually take our own best advice. 
And so there are all these species of effort and there is a surrender. uh, St. Augustine's Confessions in the Christian tradition. Um, We are but a particle of thy creation. Thou awakest us to delight in thee praise. For thou made us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it repose in thee. Hide not thee face from me. Let me die, lest I die. Only let me see thy face. Narrow is the mansion of my soul. Enlarge it, that that thou may enter it. That's the a different tradition, but that's surrender. At times, as things unfold in our practice, we're we're really uh, called to to take our um, hands off the steering wheel, you know. And the image I thought of was, I haven't seen this since I was a kid, but in the opening of this, the Simpsons cartoon, little Maggie Simpson, the, the, this little one, they kind of like, their close-up kind of view of, of Maggie operating her steering wheel in a car, uh, honking the horn, turning right, turning left, and then the camera kind of like pans out and mom's driving, you know? And um, I don't, there's something I always loved about that because it looks like Maggie's driving, you know? And then you kind of like pan out and um, and uh, we're probably Maggie a lot more than we think, yeah. And uh, we think we're like doing all this, steering the ship of Matthew, you know. Uh, And I'm just Maggie. (laughs) And and so uh, as practice unfolds, we do take our hand off the wheel, and uh, kind of let a certain kind of un- unfolding happen through us. And if we're making effort, it's the effort of, uh, of getting out of the way or the effort of, of kind of drafting, you know, drafting on the effort that's been made. So I, I wasn't... Um, sure what aspect of non-doing to emphasize today and um and asked inez um and um she thought uh gave the idea of this um a certain kind of map a liberative dependent origination kind of vision of how freedom unfolds one vision and we're much more accustomed to a kind of what's sometimes called the mundane version, the which is really a map of how we we uh, begin with ignorance and through a series of causal relationships find ourselves in suffering. But this is. Uh, a kind of flip side, the the a kind of vision, a causal map of how freedom from suffering unfolds, and um, and so um, faith, joy, rapture, tranquility, happiness, concentration, knowledge, and vision of things as they are, disenchantment, dispassion emancipation, knowledge of what one's been emancipated from. And I was um, 
I was looking at one of the suttas where it's um, it's depicted. This is this unfolding is depicted, and what struck me was just how much of the kind of um, non-doing side is depicted in it. And so I wanna I wanna consider this um, this vision and the story of how how practice can unfold from the perspective of non non doing um, the non doing of um, you know it's likened to water just naturally running down down the mountain into streams and estuaries and rivers and and down into the the great ocean and so the story begins faith faith the first link faith has a supporting condition i say it does not lack a supporting condition and what is the supporting condition for faith suffering should be the reply. Suffering sends us on a search. Suffering sends us um, looking for a new way to understand life, to construe happiness, to construe ourselves. And and something, something begins to provide some glimmer, maybe just the faintest glimmer, maybe the faintest sense of, of light at the end of a tunnel, but there's a glimmer of something like hope. And faith is not, not something you exactly do. Alan Watts said, um, belief clings, faith lets go. And I think about faith as a, a kind of form of falling in love, falling in love. The heart returning to its native ground and you can't, of course, force yourself to fall in love with anything or anyone, but it can happen. And you can never exactly know where love will go, where it will take you. But in love, there's the urgency to uh, to see where it leads, must see where it leads. In, in life, uh, maybe we say there's the why and the how, and we need a why. We need a why, why, why do this? Why live this way? Why? seek this path. But once the why is consolidated, once the why is clear in our heart, the how becomes very secondary and the the how is just the details. But the why has been clarified and we really relax into this sense of faith. There's a relaxation in faith that we're no longer compulsively seeking to validate the trajectory of our path moment by moment. We're no longer attuned to the kind of micro movements of our mind, of our heart, to try to discern, is this okay? Does this belong on my path? Is this productive? There's a sense of just like, well, I'm in love with something and we're doing something, we're, we're riding something together and 
I don't know where it's going, but it doesn't matter because this is love. And what are the alternatives to love? And so we relax into some joy or gladness, pamoja. And um, and it's really this sense of like the path becoming a companion, the awareness becoming a companion. Everywhere we look, being reminded of the Dharma, and even even when it feels like we're buried under a layer or two of dukkha, the this kind of companion never feels far, the lucid awareness never feels far. Suffering, of course, um, it requires a lot of, of energy. We see when we suffer, we get kind of, just naturally, we get a self-absorbed. We absorb into the self the kind of uh, the rag and bone shop of the heart and just like are chewing on something just trying, trying to make some progress. And in retreat, there are at least those moments, sometimes those hours or days in the the, the descent and the valley where um, just all of our attention is in getting out. You know? And... Um, But when, when we've uh, used the, the descents and the valleys, when we start ascending again, and there's a sense of well-being, it's almost like, and, and I excuse the visual metaphor, it's very difficult to talk about this without those. Um, but, um, but it's almost like the the peripheral vision expands in our gladness. In gladness, it's like the, the, we're not in a kind of tunnel vision. It's like there's much more, much more. We're not chewing, we're not absorbed in self. It's just like, okay, open. And naturally we find ourselves in some some kind of joy some kind of joy a lightness of heart and it's said that joy this joy is a kind of um, supporting condition for uh, rapture piti and so we're now now entering a kind of amorphous realm where where the awareness starts to get very loud, very loud. Uh, the kind of uh, sense of of almost like the vibratory hum of awareness, like just is is increasing here. And and um, and there are um, there are a lot of forms of rapture of this kind of intensity, um, and we tend to think, well, the more advanced I get, the more sophisticated I become, the deeper I get, the more intense it will be, and it's often the reverse of um, as we acclimatize to this kind of the vibratory pitch of awareness and this sort of intense embodiment, deep embodiment, 
rapturous um, delight of the body as we acclimatize to this often gets um, somehow uh, in a way just as consuming but more mellow, less sharp-edged, less overstimulating. There's usually a very strong kind of somatic component of this, a sense of uh, sometimes likened to a natural spring, uh, you know, spring pervading a lake. Yeah, kind of... uh, the no part of the lake left unpervaded by this natural spring and um, no part of the body left unpervaded by this this natural rapture and so it's it's an usually a, an expression around embodiment around the body becoming uh unified in in its pleasure but um, but it also can refer to the the rapture of attention, rapt attention, inquiry, and um, and it's um, yeah, it's like wherever the mind turns in this, it's fulfilling. Whatever it turns to, it's fulfilling like whatever the object of attention is, it satiates something in the heart. And uh, of course this doesn't last forever, but it, it feels like it's kind of running on its own supply of power. And, um, and very, very much around uh, non-doing, non-interference with the water running down the hill. This unfolds not because we, we want it to, but because we really don't care what happens. And the, the, we're just, the mind is not pushing on Phenomena is not engineering anything. But um, kind of remarkable as it may sound, even uh, rapturous, pervasive delight and pleasure gets old. Yeah. It's good to remember that. Yeah. Um, this is for sure a refined pleasure. It's the refined, but um, but even that gets old. The only thing that doesn't get old is peace. The only thing that doesn't fatigue the heart is peace. And so even this, even this, sort of like the whatever kind of naive fantasy of what meditation is supposed to be, even that um, is uh, the dial on the nervous system actually needs to be turned down. And so the, the kind of coarseness of this, even in its refinement, the coarseness in this, this uh, um, can be fatiguing and something kind of longs for uh, something to be lighter and tranquility. Tranquility is said to follow tranquility where it's kind of like um, we have all these dials here, like I don't even know exactly what they do, but handheld and one and two auxiliary input and then i think the the main gain level or something like that and um and this is like the gain the main power thing down 
tranquility gets turned way down, are all the circuits in our body, mind down. And um, and the sense of of vigilance, the sense of the the flood of becoming, the sense of the tumbling forward, tumbling forward, sense of um, protection and guarding, patrolling the, the boundaries of self, patrolling the boundaries of our body, It's like, okay, it's safe enough to just relinquish all of that vigilance. And so we were no longer really treating this moment as a kind of down payment on future safety. That makes sense. We're like not, we're not using this moment not ensuring that what this moment means, its main value is to validate that I will be all right in another moment. That kind of way of of leveraging now for some future just settles. And the kind of thirst and preoccupation for what comes next, what comes next. The, mo- the kind of sense of the incompletion of the moment that, uh, that starts to drop away. And... Um, Tranquility, yeah, tranquility is supported, um, we say supported by faith, by confidence that um, life will not damage my heart if I let it run through me right now. This kind kind of trust. Tranquility is the supporting condition for our sukha, sukha, to arise. This kind of, um, I don't know what the right translation is, sometimes happiness, but um, it's kind of a, a kind of very quiet pleasure, fulfillment. And we see that there's, there's a difference between the, the pleasure that compounds craving and the pleasure that um, uh, steps out of the cycles of craving, acquisition, satiation, disappointment. Maybe we think about about affect, affect our feeling life, emotional life, in the broadest sense, in terms of 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 arousal level one and pleasantness two. Sort of varies along those two registers, and um, sukha is low, low or lower arousal, but very pleasant, whereas piti is higher arousal and very pleasant. So, um, what what are we to do, what are we to do when this moment feels like it's enough? When this moment feels like it's enough? And this moment feels like it's enough? when there's, there's very little um, kind of hunger, hunger for experience. There's a way we just forage for experience 
bubbling out of dukkha and um, and naturally uh, in in a, a kind of state like this naturally without much effort we settle into the unification of the mind samadhi Again, this is not something we do, but there's nothing else to do but pay attention. And it's notable to me that uh, happiness precedes concentration, right? That it's, you know, forever. It was like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm going to get concentrated, I felt. I'm going to get concentrated so I can be happy. And the Buddha flips the order, no, get happy enough so you don't care if you're distracted or unified, yeah? It doesn't mean the same thing, yeah? We're not uh, injecting this kind of rigidity in our, and striving in engineering states. It's like, okay, get happy enough okay, I'm kind of concentrated, or I'm kind of scattered, okay. Yeah, I, uh, there's not much to do when, when, when there's this kind of deep abiding happiness, sukha, not much to do, but attend to what's arising. And this is um, unfolds through a surrender of willfulness. We're like really not controlling anything. That sense of the the kind of spotlight operator of attention just getting more and more their arms getting more and more rigid, you know, kind of is not is not a pathway into this. This is much more. There are times where we can kind of like brute force our way into states, yeah? And, um, but it's not stable and not fulfilling in the same way. Reinforces some of us the problematic habits. No, it's like this is, this is the surrender of willfulness. Ajahn Brahm says, stillness means a lack of movement. Since will causes the mind to move, to experience stillness, one must remove all will, all doing, all control. If you grasp a leaf on a tree and try your hardest to hold it still, no matter how hard you try, you will never succeed. There will always be some vibration caused by slight tremors in your muscles. However, if you don't touch the leaf and just protect it from the breeze, the leaf comes to a natural state of stillness. In in samadhi, sometimes translated as concentration, unification of the mind, um, the object of the attention, the object of the attention is fully satiating. There's no hunger left over that goes foraging for something else. And uh, in a way, it's the, yeah, we... Um, the hopefulness that we have about a lot of experiences, the hope that we have, maybe we say the fantasy we have, is that attaining it will end the craving. But attaining an experience does not end a craving. Right here, in this gradual relinquishment, this ease, this tranquility, this joy, there's a kind of shedding of um, some of the control and clinging. And the typical distractions and kind of 
uh, melodramas of self appear just not blameworthy, but just so utterly irrelevant to the project of living. Like we really fatigue of them. And so they, they don't hold any allure. They just don't hold any allure. And ordinarily we think about it, you know, samadhi concentration as being all around attention, attention. And yeah, it's, it involves intention, attention, but Ajahn Suchita said something that caught me as like that kind of characterized samadhi as all the intentions, not attention, all the intentions align. The intentions align. They're pointing all in the same direction. Maybe, um, maybe all the stories we tell are um, just attempts to cope. You know, I think there are like some some meme. I don't know, kind of like cope harder or something like that. I found that funny. Uh, you know, that's not nice. That's not a nice thing to say, you know. But it's like, okay, you see, you see somebody like disappointed by some political outcome or whatever, cope harder, you know, kind of as in the face of their whatever rationalization or something. But it like struck me like, okay, and maybe a lot, a lot of what we're doing with our thinking, with the narratives we tell, are subtle expressions of coping. And um, and in this, as as the intentions start to line up, as there's this very deep sense of okayness, and the impulses to grasp and to push away, um, as those begin to fall away, we, we really, really don't need to cope anymore, at least for this moment. Nothing to cope with. And this is a very malleable mind that is not enchanted by phenomena, but is sort of like um, running on its own supply of power. A couple of days ago, I said our attempts at knowing are suffused with our motivations. What we see is not separate from what we want. And now, now, the wanting has subsided dramatically. Subsided dramatically. And then the question is, okay, what do you see now? What do you see now? Yatta, Buddha, Jnana, Dasana. Knowledge and vision of things as they are, is the phrase. And um, not not a philosopher, but I've read enough philosophy to be um, careful not to be casual about any claim that meditation gives us unfettered access to capital T truth. So I, I am careful. I don't want to claim that from what I know so far, but it does help us understand happiness. We, we are, um, we're all, all philosophers of happiness, you know, we're all kind of like um, asked and answer the question of what's the good life, how should I live, we're kind of living it, living that answer. And um, 
and in the in the penumbra of samadhi we perceive our life differently we begin to refine our philosophy of happiness we start to understand more about what is and is not possible to extract from phenomena. And so, you know, clinging, clinging and letting go are usually juxtaposed as kind of like, as choices. I could cling or I could let go, but here it's it's uh, so apparent. There's like no such thing as holding on. It's just for holding on. It's just it's just to the illusion of holding on. And. The, the perception of the, the, th- the three characteristics, dukkha, anicca, anatta, the uh, suffering, impermanence, not self, this becomes blaring, blaring, that um, no experience will quench our thirst, nothing will be owned and there are no alternatives to letting go. And it's like, okay, now I, I kind of get where the Buddha is coming from. There's a, a phrase, uh, disenchanted dis with samsara, samsara, this realm disenchanted with samsara, which is not a rejection of of life or the world. I, I don't want to hold it in that way, but um, but it is this very deep sense of I am no longer going to go looking for happiness in all the familiar places. That's not where I will seek it. And it's not that there's no happiness there. It's not that we don't root for our life for things to go one way or another. But I'm not going to seek my happiness in all the familiar places, in all the familiar stories, in all the familiar copes. And this is something, uh, not really something we decide, it's natural, a kind of non-doing. And the cycle of craving, acquisition, momentary satiation, fulfillment or something, barely, and disappointment, and then chasing again, that that cycle just doesn't it does not have the same it's not reinforced in our body mind in the same way it doesn't have any momentum it's like uh um yeah all the carrots and sticks of our being have shifted yeah dispassion grows and um, and the the kind of churning out of narratives and preferences uh, that just just stops. Um, and experience um, way it's like experience is no longer stimulating chitta stimulating heart-mind. 
is no longer it's no longer like landing somewhere in our the territory of self and um, before it was um pleasant and unpleasant and now kind of everything tastes the same maybe I would say everything is is empty tasteless that's the taste and um, it tends to be pervasively neutral And that sense of how forever we this like deep hedon, hedonism, these like the very innocent hedonism, but the way that pleasure and pain have just ruled over us like mercilessly as stick and carrot. Um, that um, we're freed up from that. And you're really offering yourself up to the Dharma. And um, the kind of churning, the churning of, of Sankara, of these kind of um, volitional energies, motivational drives, um, Ajahn Sachito translated sometimes formative energies, shaping, shaping. Um, that kind of that engine just shuts off. That engine shuts off. And um, yeah, there's no, there's no, maybe say no moving toward, no moving away, moving back, no standing still. It's like um, the, the kind of the, the factory, you know, the engine, engine just actually, which maybe we've barely even noticed, but like when that diesel engine in the distance cuts off, uh, And in this case, experience um, stops. Experience stops. There's, um, yeah, maybe we say this is like the 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 ultimate expression of non-doing, non-doing. And we come to know what's been shed, the forces of suffering that have been shed or weakened, the humility of knowing how we can still be hooked, the um, really the poignancy, the poignancy of the melodrama of self. the poignancy of the the drama of dukkha and in the moment so much suffering maybe we feel like all suffering at some level feels feels necessary but it's not necessary it could be otherwise. There's water running down the hill.
faith, joy, rapture, tranquility, happiness, uh, concentration, knowledge and vision, disenchantment, dispassion, emancipation, knowledge of the destruction of the influxes, what's been shed. So, um, so much non-doing, kind of, I don't know what to call it, grace or kind of logic, the logic of the Dharma. Just sit for a moment. Oh, um, thank you. Um, offer that for your um, for your consideration, and um, yeah, pick up what's useful and uh, leave the rest behind. <laughs>